Hello everybody and welcome to Volume 2, Issue 73 of the Kane and Rinse podcast. It took four studios, 2K Marin, 2K China, Arcane and Digital Extremes working together to attempt to match, or better, what Ken Levine's Irrational had achieved with the original Bioshock. Were the fruits of so much labour as sweet and ripe as those which came before? Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, Tony Atkins. Hello. Darren Foreman. Hello, wonderful humans. And Sean O'Brien. Good evening. Welcome everybody, and uh, it's nice to be back after my hiatus. I apologise to uh, Tony and two listeners who were expecting me to be on last week's podcast, but uh, time and I am alive got the better of me, or the worse of me. I'm not sure which. Uh, But here we are with a game that I definitely completed, Bioshock 2, uh, released in February 2010. I think I bought it actually a couple or three months, maybe two months after release. I think it had got a bit cheaper um, and then probably waited even a bit longer before I actually got around to playing it through. But then I played it through in relatively short time. And then I sold my copy onto a friend and then I borrowed a copy again. <laughs> I can't remember. It might have been off, uh, one of our, one of our friends or listeners, I apologise, I can't remember who, and uh, to play the highly rate, rated Minerva's Den DLC, which came out a while after, uh, which we will briefly talk about, but then we'll point you to one of our friends' podcasts for more in-depth information on that one. Tony, what about you and Bioshock 2? Well, as a very much a fan of the original Bioshock game, um, this was a, a day one purchase for me. Um, very excited. Uh, I think I probably played through it in the first couple of days of owning it. Uh, trouble remembering, but a bit like Darren here, I, I uh, always fascination with buying enslaved and giving it to people. I've I've brought Bioshock Two many a time, so I own a couple of copies on the 360, the super duper special edition, which is gorgeous. Has probably the best special edition that I've ever seen. It's got what's it? What's it got? It's got a huge um an LP in it, old record in it, um, vinyl twelve inch record, yeah. um, mm-hmm. beautiful art book. And some yeah, kits inside. Yeah, that's the one done in the Updeco kind of cover, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah, it's the the inside of it's got like this um suede interior and it's all art deco designed. It's it's fantastic. Do you own a record player? No. Mm. Does it have the Gary Scheiman score or does it have uh, the sort of old time musics from the game I think it's on all the instrumental, so Okay. Mm. 
having not had a record player, I haven't used it. But I do believe they, they threw a CD in there as well for you know, people that don't own such technology, such advanced technology as LP players. I think it would be fantastic if you could hook the, uh, the uh, record player up to your Xbox and kind of play the game <laughs> through that. It'd be like a laser disc. Awesome. There are those machines you can get where you scan in vinyl aren't there? Or, or play vinyl into a computer to, to store the music digitally. Evil way. It's it's a work of art, and I, I love it. It does sound nice. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I PS3 stuff. So, yeah, and I, I pretty much own all the copies because I'm a big fan of the game. So I'm trying to actually get into my mind of 2010. Now, mm. as uh, listeners of the Bioshock 1 show will know, I absolutely worship that game, uh, despite its uh, flaws as regards to the the final third or so, That's which enough. we talked Why about. Why did you wait? Because I think I wasn't confident that I was going to enjoy it as much. There was a massive overriding wave of negativity when this game was announced. What, on the internet? Mm-hmm. Uh, no. <laughs> Believe it or not, you know, one or two people had a problem with it, you know? Yeah. Unlike, say, Devil May Cry, you know, DMC. Mm. I think I may have been skint. I think that may have been part of it. Plus the fact that it was... I did know that this was not... An irrational Ken Levine game yeah. did worry me. And the fact that you were out in the streets with a placard burning copies of Bioshock 2, you know, like the promotion lines. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just saying this game should not have a sequel. I guess, was I, I was genuinely slightly... Uh, you were wary. Wary, trepidatious, yes. What about you, Darren? Did you go on day one this? I did, pretty much. Um, like, I played Bioshock 1, and I thought, yeah, that was really quite nice. I quite enjoyed this. I wouldn't mind a sequel. And then when I heard that the sequel was being made by a different company and everyone was going crazy and bombing buildings and shit, mm. I thought to myself, fuck it, this could actually be really good. Let's see how these guys do it. Because I've, I, I like the idea of giving other companies a chance if they're, you know, as long as it seems like they're actually trying to bring that spark to it. Yeah. Then I heard that it was going to have multiplayer and that spark died within me, but... Uh, I was still fairly optimistic that it would at least be good, if not great. So I bought it uh, pretty much on release and played it through, and I had a pretty damn good time. I really enjoyed it. I suppose uh, one thing that becomes clear as soon as you boot it up for the first time is that, uh, as well as, it was mainly 2K Marin, but they had a lot of support, and in particular the multiplayer was handled by Digital uh, Digital Extremes, which at least means that we knew that the efforts of the main team weren't being diverted or, or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's always the kind of concern is that they're taking away uh, resources from the main game to fund a shit multiplayer. Mm, yeah. But uh, as long as it's another team, at least the damage is usually marginalised. Yeah, uh, and we will, of course, talk a little about the multiplayer later on. Um, we had a little session last week. Yeah, official Canarine session. It was good. Yeah. Um, or she could have been there. I was invited, but I have no PS3 just now. Yeah, that was a shame. Obviously, the reason we we went for PS3 is because it was one of the many uh, formerly full-price games and high-profile, highly-rated games that have been given away by PlayStation Plus, or given away for your £40 <laughs> a year or, or near, near equivalent, but it's a pretty ridiculous collection of games you, you will have got together if you've been a PS Plus adopter for a couple of years now. Um so that was the one to play, although you know, I have to say, having played the PC version of the original Bioshock recently, the, the PS3 version looks particularly fuzzy. And, um, oh, such a PC snob. 
Uh, it's just just a, a genuine observation. I'm afraid. Resolution, I'm afraid yeah, it really resolution yeah. is a lot lower, and it's actually one of those games. And I don't know what the because I'm not a particularly technical person. Um, the piece the P, PS3 more than other consoles seems to betray what resolution it's running in by. Even when you press the cross media bar, you can see how fuzzy the mm-hmm. text is. Um, so if it's a game that's running in 720 or less, your actual interface with the console drops down to a similarly low, low, (laughs) lower resolution. And, um, Bioshock seems to, everything, just everything about it on the PS3 looks really, really fuzzy, really low res by, by modern standards. Um, even compared to my memories of the 360 version, but I don't know, I haven't looked at, looked up at the comparison or anything like that. I'm going to assume Sean played it on the PS3, so Uh he can tell us. (laughs) Well, I don't have any um, comparison to give. I I only played it on PS3, so yeah, the resolution is pretty uh, shoddy. That's pretty much all I know about it, though, that way. Did you pick it up at the start of uh, its life, Sean? I didn't. um, When they announced it, I didn't really feel either way about it. I was... I had played the original Bioshock, and um, at the time, I wasn't that crazy about it. It's like Darren said, I, I enjoyed it, and I thought it was good, and I moved on. Mm-hmm. And um, I've since gone back and, and played it again and realized it was awesome. But uh, So when they announced Bioshock 2, I was like, okay, that's fine. I'll, I'll give that one a shot, too, because I don't, I don't really get sequel fatigue like much most people do. So when they announced mm-hmm. there was a new game, uh, I was down, so... Uh, so, yeah. It's not really just sequel fatigue, you know. They seem to think that a sequel can destroy what made the original game good. Right, you know, like yeah. it's got a direct impact mm. on the original. Mm. Which is something I, that I've never agreed with. I think, actually, to, to defend a lot of people that really didn't want a Bioshock sequel, I, I, I really felt like Bioshock, at the time, had a, a pretty definitive conclusion to it. I mean, it was, it was a story that was told. And I think if we if we never had another... Uh, you know, a Bioshock at that time, I was like, oh, yeah, I can see where the argument comes from. I can understand that, but I mean, speaking about um, having a self-contained story, too many sequels leave the fuckers open. Like, there are too many games that actually don't finish the story in one game. Just like Bulletstorm, for example, doesn't finish the story. And there are plenty mm. of other games that don't as well. So mm. It would just be nice if, uh, when they're writing the things, they weren't bothered about the sequel and just bothered with having a good resolution within its own arc. Yeah, from my point of view, as I say, massive, massive fan of the original Bioshock, and um, I'm not the sort of person who uh, you know takes to the internet and, and bashes out reams of vitriol and ire when something I you doesn't. Owe me. <laughs> yeah, something that I'm not that keen on happening happens. But I'm, I think with Bioshock too, I certainly wasn't like, oh well, that can't ever be as good as the original. Ugh. You know, I wasn't like that, but I just had my doubts that it would be. I suppose. Well, and, and I think the entire project. I mean, like, knowing that Irrational weren't working on it, and it being fairly quick after the original Bioshock game had come out, and you could see it from afar being okay. 2K are clearly making you know, Bioshock was a, a big success. I, I think actually it was a bigger success than they expected it to be. Yeah, um, I think so. Yeah. And it did seem a little bit rushed in. And, and when you looked at that, there was you know, five development houses working on the game rather than just the one. Um, rather than a, yeah, I think that's what concerned me as much as I just, I'm sort of contrib- contradicting what I said about having multiple teams working on it. I think to go from Obviously, you know, not not taking anything away from all the people who work with Ken Levine at Irrational, but there was a sense that that was, you know, his story, his mm-hmm. idea, his concept, one man's vision, and and 
generally things that are made by a committee designed by a group tend to have less kind of personality, less soul, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, and I think that was a concern. So you're um, basically saying that they turn into Medal of Honor games. <laughs> yeah, Bioshock 2 is, is, yeah, is basically a Medal of Honor. Uh, <laughs> Warfighter sequel. And there was also a lot of people uh, just immediately worried that there was multiplayer involved at all. And that's just added yeah. another concern for people who are already kind of writing I, it off. Yeah, I, I feel like we've gone through that wave now, where someone just mentions multi. I know Tomb Raider had it all over again recently, but yeah. I feel like when people just mention it, it's like, oh, yeah, well, what, what do you expect? But when Bioshock Two came out in 2010, we were, I think we were at the very top of that crest where we're going. Nobody wants Bioshock Two multiplayer. Why even had it? It's just a waste of resources. I really think the internet was in a furore at that point about anything that was releasing multiplayer outside of. A Halo or a, a Battlefield or a, mm. a Call of Duty, and yeah, you know, I, I don't. You can you can actually get behind them. Maybe not the outspoken like uh, vitriol, but the simple fact is, there's only so much people playing these games, and yeah. Battlefield and Halo and Call of Duty have a massive chunk of the audience. You know, like they're not the people that are playing these games aren't likely to jump ship unless something gobsmacking comes along. We'll return to the multiplayer later. Uh, but for now, let's just, we're not going to go through the story uh, moment by moment, but obviously we will talk about it in relation to how we feel about the game as a whole. But let's uh, let's at least explain the setup of Bioshock 2 for those who are interested or those who may have forgotten. Uh, there may be spoilers throughout the course of the rest of this podcast. Uh, Tony. Oh, right. Ex- You're the expert. Ex- <laughs> explain the entirety of the Bioshock 2 story. So- no, no, no. Ju- just, the, just the setup and, and the sort of the... How it follows on, how it ties in, and painstaking detail, please. Well, the setup is it's um, I think it's eight years after uh, the original Bioshock. Um, ten, I think. Ten, oh, yeah, ten. As, it's six, eight, and fifty-eight, I believe. Well, ten years after the original um, Bioshock yeah. was set, um, the main story revolves around uh, a woman called Sophia Lamb, who was a psychiatrist back in the original when the uh, in. You call it, I guess, the original Bioshock. She she didn't appear. She didn't no, um, in the original Bioshock, but yeah. she is part of the backstory, as the, the wider story as it is known now. So she was brought down by Andrew Ryan to to be a, a psychiatrist amongst the the people when they were starting to become slightly unruly. Um, but she she had a bit of a kind of um a religious cult to to herself, and she quickly sectioned off a, a part of Rapture. As her own, and created, I, th- I think it's called the Rapture Family, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and created her own little cult segment, um, which obviously was against uh, Andrew Ryan's beliefs very much. Um, and, and these are these are splicers, basically. Yeah. Yes. Well, yes. She, once again, you yeah, um, relying on the weak um, to you know fulfil her deeds. So, mm-hmm. so with that, so that's who uh, she is now. The, the the wider story is there's a you're, you play a, a big daddy, or I think it was the fourth big daddy ever made, called Subject Delta. Um, and the main story revolves around you trying to find Eleanor. Now, Eleanor is Sophia Lamb's daughter, who uh, was taken from her early in Rapture's history, and um, got turned into a little sister. So you were bonded to her at the very start. Um, and they did a new technique. You were one of the f- first ones that were bonded to her using this new technique where there was this link between you and uh, Eleanor, where it's, uh, it's cause what they were having, they were having big daddies that would be, they would be created and they'd just actually leave the facility and wander off. So they just signed this link where um, 
if one of you died, then the other would die. So it's impassable link. So at the very start, you get separated or shot by. Oh no! How do you say this? <laughs> she she um she finds you as you're walking around with Eleanor, and she's collecting Adam, and um, she walks up and she they they throw that it's like a new hypnotized. plasmid hypnotized yeah. yeah, which she then makes you uh, take off your helmet and kill yourself right in front of her. Mm-hmm. And Enlor remembers this, right? Yeah. So the the pretty much the main story is Enlor now is uh, a teenager. She's grown up. Um, she has you reactivated in one of the the Vita chambers, the Vita chambers, um, by a group of little sisters because she's she's now fighting against her mother. Um, and um, it's your goal to to retrace her and reform that link. Uh, and the big sisters. So yes, the big sisters are, are, are something that's, um, that you fight throughout the game. Um, they're basically little sisters of um, have grown up, got big, yeah, in rapture <laughs> over the time. Um, normally, little sisters don't really grow because the Adam prevents them from doing that, but because there's been less Adam around, they've grown over a period of time, um, and they take the form of a, like a big daddy. But um, they're there to maintain rapture through these these forthcoming over the, the years, the last ten years, and instead of being big whale-like suit creatures. They're more kind of like dolphin-esque, really high-pitched squealing squeaks. Um, very agile, very quick. Um, and very dolphin ninjas. Yeah, very, <laughs> very, 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 very powerful. Yeah. And they're also set up on the surface to gather more little girls and bring them back down. So I think we may as well get into the crux of the matter because I think it's probably the most interesting thing uh, is that... From my point of view, I just never connected with the story in the same way that I did with the original Bioshocks. Now, at the same time, around the same time as I was playing it, uh, some people I knew, friends and peers and uh, you know, community members and, and whoever uh, were, were playing this game or they'd already played this game. And some people, uh, such as you, Tony, and uh, our friend Gary Blower from Game Burst, um, seemed to be finding this tale every bit as engaging, if not more emotionally involving than the rather more sort of lofty political original. Um, and particularly Gary at the time cited the fact that as uh, he'd recently become a father and obviously this whole story revolves around this paternal uh, bond with daughter. And this is not something that I can particularly either empathise with or, or something I've ever had a particularly strong urge to discover for myself and I wonder if if it is as simple as for for all its sort of tightened up gameplay which I think is something that we you know we obviously would talk about and and everyone will probably say about Bioshock 2 basically it you know it it all it all works a bit more smoothly um I just never felt as we'll say it the first time immersed in in this game as I did in Bioshock at all never not even close um, so I'm like, I don't think this is not one where we can just say, well, you know, this game is not good and I am right because, you know, of this. It seems to be very much that it comes down to a, a personal response to it because the game is clearly well made and it's clearly fun to play. But it just never had the same, not not even an, an iota of the, the level of effect that the original had on me. Well, you can let alone turn it to continue. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. I had the um, entirely opposite reaction. I, I was I felt really invested in the character. I, it's it's um 
one of my problems with Bioshock One is a problem that I just have in general with silent protagonists. Like I can't, I can't mm. break that immersion and feel like I'm the character. But being a big daddy, who doesn't, who can't say anything, um, mm. just made it feel more. Justifies yeah, it. it just made it feel mm. a little more reasonable that he would never say anything, and just I, I could get into that character more and feel that bond with uh, Eleanor. Oh, it, it it like came out in like the year of like the dad game. Like there was um, Red Dead Redemption came out that year, and Heavy Rain, oh, yeah. where you're playing fathers, and it's like a big con- central conceit of the game. And of all of them, one of those had a good script. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, the, but the only one that really uh, got me feeling that connection was Bioshock Two, actually. Hmm. Yeah. Whereas um, it probably took The Walking Dead to kind of do that for me and that was obviously two years later um yeah so maybe that's the other kind of person that might prefer or at least like bioshock 2 as much and, and again anecdotally i've seen this said that for those people who find silent protagonists difficult and i am the opposite to that even though it obviously renders some scenes kind of ludicrous to have a silent protagonist i still find it easier to immerse in a game with a silent protagonist so maybe those people with a strong connection to the to the themes of the story or people who prefer a non-silent protagonist or at least a justified silent protagonist because because delta is still if all but silent although he does make those grunts big daddy noises yeah i mean that's the thing i mean it's also kind of like in metroid so samus is uh i like metroid prime samus is mm. silent but at the same time there's nobody to speak to so it doesn't break any emotion you know she's not being expected to give a response and then just very true it. And people often uh, describe those games as lonely, but in a positive sense, in in a way that it's a desirable feeling to make, to want to, you know, to want to feel isolated on an alien planet because it's a, it's a cool, fantastic experience that we don't get in real life. Whereas in some games like Half-Life 2, where you're constantly surrounded by other people who are talking to you as much as I absolutely, I think that game's incredible. um, It does, of course, not really make sense that Freeman doesn't respond so for me, I think it's a, a slightly more complex question other than one story pitching against the other. Because yeah, I mean, sure. if you come into Bioshock 1, it's, I mean, you could look at the story, and yes, it's a complex and interesting story. I think most important of all, it's a very subtle story. Um, you, know, you can, But a lot of that subtlety comes from how much the environment is, is telling the player and how much you kind of glean from that happening. Um, and obviously the twist that you know, t- you know midway through the game is is you know is one of the best moments in pretty much all gaming. So like it's it's sure. very hard for Bioshock Two at that point to really live up to that because you know yes we've seen Rapture um, and you know it's you know is it going to have that kind of twist that Bioshock the original Bioshock had probably not because you know <laughs> it's been there done that it doesn't want to be classed as a copycat but. I, th- I think the father-daughter story, although you know he's not technically her father, he is bonded to her in that way, and you know you're kind of working out why, you know, what what is their their relationship? Is it more is it more actually physical than it is, you know, um, this kind of weird paternal bond? But um, Tony, you're the only person that thought that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but you know, no, as in physical, you know, is he the the real father or you know? But he's the guy. Actually, his name's Johnny Topside. He, he's one of the few people that actually found Rapture just. Uh, has um, you know just found it in the middle of the sea and actually managed to work his way down into the raptor and you know for his troubles get turned into a big daddy, but uh, and I but I think that's the important thing. I think that there's a lot more details there. If you're already a fan of the of Rapture, um, you know a lot of these characters are made up, 
that um, weren't in the original game, and they're you know they're of a bigger story that has evolved over a period of time. But um, you know, I I I, I did glue onto the the you know the the you know, daughter father aspect of it, and although I don't think it's anywhere as subtle as um, the first one, there's a lot to be found there, and there's um there's a, a few honestly genu- genuinely touching moments which I think are, are actually far outweigh a lot of the stuff I played in story-wise from Bioshock um, 1. Yeah, and the thing is, I mean, like, it isn't just people that have become fathers or anything like that, because, I mean, I don't think I'm a father. Um, I could be wrong, <laughs> but I'm fairly sure I'm not. Mm. And, uh, you know, like, I really enjoyed the story. As Tony was saying, there are touching moments throughout it, and even though it doesn't have, like, that great political kind of, like, um, highbrow kind of stand-up that the first game had, it's kind of easier to connect with it on, on certain elements, just uh, through some of what's happening. Yeah, I don't think it was... It, it's not just the themes of the story that didn't kind of grab me as much, but it's also that I never felt like the actual writing was quite as strong, the actual scripts, you know, the actual dialogue. I will say that uh, Sophia Lamb was nowhere near as good an uh, antagonist as mm. Andrew Ryan. Oh, mm. I don't know, I... I... I would entirely disagree. I think she's just as formidable, but in an entirely different way. Like, she, and with, with Andrew Ryan, I felt like he was always a dick and always yeah, threatening. Yeah, exactly. And and she's not like I kind of like Sophia Lamb sometimes. Like she's a little more uh, just nicer, I guess. And and I really like that having the antagonist that you don't entirely hate. Yeah, I mean that's true enough because she is trying to do this for the betterment of everyone right. that's in Rapture. Yeah, um, that is one thing. It's just that since I'm a barbarian, I tend to look at things in black and white, and uh, Andrew Ryan being a dick the entire way through, I was just like, you're going to get yours, fucker. <laughs> see, I, see, I think the, first, the original Bioshock, it, it was a very, very clever story. Um, but the way I describe Bioshock 2, I think it's a beautifully touching story. And actually, when you, you search your brain through many games, there's not many that, for, for me anyway, that has that, you know, it's both beautiful and touching. Asra's Wrath! <laughs> 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 I, you know, I actually do agree. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't actually joking though. No, it, it is good. I I'm going to keep saying this probably, but I wish I felt the same mm. way. You know, there's there's nothing that I'd like more than to have enjoyed Bioshock Two as much as I enjoyed Bioshock. The more experiences like the experience and the the connection I have with Bioshock One, the better in my life. I wish every game made me feel like that. Um, but for whatever reason, I think it, I don't know. It's just, I, I guess it's a combination of factors, but I think even things like, you know, we talked about the amazing opening half an hour, 45 minutes of the first Bioshock. The opening to Bioshock 2 is just nothing like as brilliant as like just show stopping incredible. You shoot yourself in the head. The first time I played Bioshock 2 though, I turned it off after that because after, um, Mass Effect had come out the month before that and... It, not to spoil that, but it starts off similarly, and um, just I, I, it kills me when games just brush over the idea that you've been reincarnated from death. Like that's just mm. I can't. Sometimes I can't really get over that kind of thing. But mm. but yeah, mm. I would agree it's not as strong as uh, not nearly as strong as the opening to Bioshock One. But conversely, I would say the ending is way better in Bioshock Two than absolutely yeah one. yeah. Bioshock 2 is definitely more consistent <laughs> than, uh, than like, that's the thing. I had a perfectly enjoyable time playing it through, and I was pleased to be back in Rapture, although it never felt quite as amazing as it did the first time. And, and But there's no doubt at all that, you know, the actual 
the 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 mechanics of the gameplay are, are, are tighter and slicker and yes it doesn't go horribly tits up in the final third quarter but I, I was surprised i mean there is one or two scenes in in the bar shot 2 story which i i would have thought you know for me personally are the best of the series and that being um when you towards the end of the game you you actually get to to be a little sister um actually it's absolutely brilliant because yeah, you've always seen them from afar, and they're always talking about Mr. Bubbles and butterflies. And they've always been harvesting the yeah, and, and beautiful, and and yeah, it's quite macabre in in many respects what they're doing. So when you finally get to become a little sister, and you actually see what they're seeing through their eyes, which is ultimately is um, Rapture still at its utter peak and prime. So there's splices everywhere. There's chaos going yeah. on all around them, and all they're seeing is. The beautiful lights and you know the the brilliant fabric curtains and the and the fireplaces and the 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 people they're actually taking Adam from are people that are, are lied out beautifully on the floor with um, angel wings because you know always says angels and they're mm. dressed up almost as angels and the blood around them is rose petals and you know it's just like finally a lot of that stuff makes sense of who these characters are which you you never really got a sense from the first game so. You know, if anything, at least Bioshock Two exists to um, explore characters, even if you even if you think one's a better game. Explore a bit deeper into these characters and why they're like that. A lot of it smacked of retconning and fan service to me, though. Like but it that's wasn't fine, canon. Is it not? No, well, retconning is weird. <laughs> fan services are right, retconning. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't do it for me in the same way. Mm-hmm. It just always felt like that. It just felt. Like that stuff was good. Don't get me wrong. Again, there's there's a lot to like about this game, but it always felt a little bit to me just like a little bit by the numbers. You know? And I know what you mean actually, because um, you know I I've been very vocal that I you know I I really really like Bioshock Two, um, yeah. certainly in the past. And I, I you know I went back and, and I played it you know this week for the show. And it, to your credit, it's it wasn't quite as as grand as i i originally felt i mean i haven't played it for probably a, a good you know couple of years now or maybe 18 months um yeah and it, and it you know it, my mind's vision of it was it was you know slightly tighter than it than what it turned out and i think because playing bioshock only recently again you know i like i say i, I think the bioshock the bioshock one story is a lot more subtle and you know those elements i can see yes it, it's it's you can see there's an, an auteur behind it Rather than you know a bigger you know committee you know bringing these aspects in, but it doesn't make mm. it any less um, fascinating for me. And you know Grace Holloway is a, a character I you know I love her. She does the absolute mm-hmm. brilliant speech when you meet her, and you know you can either choose to kill her. She was Anna Lorland's um, babysitter, um, or if you walk away, she she does this brilliant monologue about you know you can't be a monster. You know mo- no monster would just turn a blind eye. So who are you? And like the story starts to piece together where re- she realizes she's actually been tricked by uh, Enlor Lamb, the, you know, the person that she utterly believes and has you know, put all her convictions in that you're the person that actually turned um, the, the, you know, her, the child, almost her surrogate child. She sees um, them as so. It's you know, there's there's some brilliant aspects there, and then even there's a there's a you must love the Ryan amusements. Which is um, you you wander through. I mean, this is mentioned in the book, and I think that's probably where I I, I know most about it. But um, it's the Andrew Ryan kind of exhibit where he tells the, the children of Rapture that are born up about the bad place that the service is, and it's all about you know the hand coming from the sky. And um, you know, at one stage you see Andrew Ryan playing golf, and you can smack his head off of a mm. golf club, and 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. there's some the really deft touches in there. Yeah, and, and going back to Grace Holloway for a minute, I think she's actually a really important character in the Bioshock universe as a whole because um, one thing that Bioshock 1, as much as it was about America at that time, it didn't touch on anything about um, racism in America at, in the mid-20th century, which is a huge mm. deal. And she... Um, having come over, she comes over to Rapture, I think, in like the beginning of the 1950s, so before the civil rights movement here, and um, I think she, she's interesting in that she comes here as an artist, comes to Rapture as an artist, and is in in a way ends up similarly to Sandra Cohen. It just doesn't go nuts, um, but she is still she comes over here thinking that oh, things are going to be a lot different than they are in America, and she's still uh, entirely repressed and um, is left to live in Pauper's Drop, which is the poor area. Very poor area. You're right, yeah. And so I I think she's a really fascinating character that I think a lot of people just kind of brush over, and it's a a shame because she's really neat. Perhaps I kind of bowled through the game a bit quickly or something. I mean, I, I, I'm not. I, I remember these things you're talking about. I remember the character, and uh, and you know that's that's an interesting thing that's in there. Um, and I don't know, maybe because the actual gameplay is so, uh, like as I said in the Bioshock One show, I enjoy the moment-to-moment gameplay in that game. Um, the actual, the balance, the rhythm of it, the the you know the picking, the, the looting stuff, the hacking, the shooting. It's very kind of, it's, it's you know, away from all the sort of high concept stuff we're talking about and the, the amazing setting. Um, it might not be the best shooter, but it is actually one of the most sort of compelling moment-to-moment games around, I think. Even, you know, even the first Bioshock. And Bioshock 2, actually, if anything, makes that even more of a kind of, you know, uh, Moorish experience. And maybe, maybe I was just so sucked into the... You know, pick up the medikit, pick up the dollars, shoot the thing, <laughs> fire the plasmid at the thing, shoot the splicer who's coming at me from the ceiling, take a picture, shoot the rivet gun. <laughs> Maybe I just actually stopped to, you know, stopped kind of paying so much attention to to the the stuff that was going on around me. Maybe Bioshock may, 2 makes you work a little harder. The I don't thing know. here is you're mentioning too much shooting, but you're not mentioning enough. Get the drill out and bore a hole in that guy. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Yeah, well. You're uh, a big daddy. You're soon. finally able to get the drill out and just start going mental with it. Yeah, um, if anything, um, doesn't it? You know, it's fun, uh, but oh man, it's it fun. Kind of feels in maybe like a bit overpowered from the start. It is pretty much a cheating weapon. If you pull that thing up, it'll just go clean through anything. Hmm. More, more so than the wrench in the first game, but it makes more sense uh, that you're a big daddy with a drill because you know one of the, your first ever introduction to a big daddy in Bioshock One, he uh, drills the shit out of <laughs> out of a splicer. And that's defence. The other guy was being very impolite. He was impolite. Yes, they're they're an impolite bunch. Um, another memory I have of the sequel is uh, the 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 thing they kind of went large on, even to the point that they added more through DLC, which is the protecting mm. of the little the sister while she trials. works. Yeah, so they added protector trials, but actually within the course of the game, there were quite a large number of sections, uh, as I recall, where you would basically booby trap a room, set it up with exploding rivets and things like that um, to... Uh, see off a wave of splicers or several waves of splicers while a little sister would uh, would extract Adam um, and they they were pretty fun but I think may, it may have been something that was over overdone I certainly had no desire to get the DLC I think it maybe felt a little bit gamey considering the way that you had to like booby trap everything and it was actually just waves of splicers as opposed to like 
little set pieces with like like understandable numbers of splicers coming as opposed to wave after wave. But yeah, and I I, I disagree here. I, I it's one of my absolute favourite aspects of the entirety of the Bioshock series. Um, and I did get the protector trials, and actually you missed out there because if you wanted a bit of variation, um, pretty much every single one of the protector trials, you can't just fudge your way through. There's actually a technique, like some you would have to use wa- uh, wasps, other ones you would have to use um, uh, the inferno stuff, um, hmm. the massive vortex stuff. Um, it's kind of more strategic yeah, and, and puzzling. There was never one that was yeah. just simple. I oh, will just, well, at the very start, just bash people and you win. But there was always, you know, there's there's lots of strategies to it. And that actually pans through into um, the main game. Um, if you play on on the higher difficulties, certainly on the lower difficulties, yeah, you course. can just... In fact, a lot of the time... I just played it on normal. You, yeah. you don't even need to set up traps. You can just run around the drill and completely de- yeah. obliterate yeah. everybody. But if you play on the harder difficulties, you, you can't get away with that at all. You will die quite quickly. And the trap system is fantastic. Now, I, you know, I I think actually playing the Big Daddy was a bit of a masterstroke. It, it, it was a... I mean, one, it, it visually it was great because, you know, being a big tin man, there was some great water effects. They could do a lot of stuff on the screen. Especially yeah, get... on the Yes, yeah, so yeah. all of those chambers were fantastic. All the, all the rain effects on top of the on on top of your helmet and the brilliant sound effects of like, you know, like ting 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 mm. ting really made it um, immersive. But it also made you very very much powerful. It, it uh, yes, you know you're no longer fighting the big daddies, but they they replaced the big daddies with the little sisters, which for for my money are a lot more vicious and a lot more powerful than the big daddies ever were. It's a lot more agile and you know can take you down very very quickly. Certain harder levels. Um, but I, I always got because you can do this so you can rescue the little sisters or you can harvest them much like the first game and if you choose to rescue them you can then just take them back to the hole and earn a little bit of uh, Adam or you can choose to then uh, take the little sisters and gather Adam like you've seen in the first game and earn a lot more Adam and I always chose together because it was one of my favourite aspects of the game I enjoyed setting up the, the traps and you'd have um, the trap rivets which would Spray you know, basically beams of light across the room if they wandered into and they would go off. You'd have mines, uh, the mini turrets, which were awesome. You had these tiny little mini, mini turrets. You could lay in strategic positions and they'd run in and they'd basically just mow down anybody that got close. Um, and like I said, maybe it was because I played it on the harder difficulty level that you know they they were tricky and enjoyable. The thing is, like when I was saying that. I think there was maybe too much of them, and some of them maybe went on a little too long. It's not that I felt that they were inherently bad. I quite enjoyed them. It's just that they were one of the more gamey aspects of the mm. entire thing. But they, I, I, like Leon's already said, I think the entirety of the gameplay yeah. was just tightened for, throughout. And be, be it, it was, I mean, it certainly was. The simple thing of now you can use both plasmids and weapons at the same time, um, which in the first game is either or, one hand or the other hand. It was a bit of a fiddly to do, but you know it, it, it was functional, but in two it just tightens it right up. I actually think the um, a lot of the en- enemy AI was... was better yeah, they really did in the first game just really pound upon you and i think it was better laid out um like you said leon i i just found the the overall gameplay side of it just really moorish and, and even going through it you know two or three years you know, down the line it's just it's mm. really fun really moorish and you know whether it be and here's a trick if you don't use bees you really should because they're one hilarious and two completely overpowered in bioshock 2 and take down anyone who didn't use bees was playing this game wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> something was that even little sisters don't like bees. I mean, that's a deal. When you were saying that the protector trials were more like um, puzzles, I was thinking terrorists with bees would be amazing. Oh, man. <laughs> but it, it, 
in the first game, I, I found like I kind of just stuck to the, the thing I knew, like either the wrench or the, you know, and then you'd have the, the yeah. electric and, you know, that was kind of, you'd just do those two things. And I, I found in two that I really mixed up what I was doing. I, you know, I'd concentrate, I'd have the, the Vortex one, which would fly people up in the air just because it was fun to do. I mean, as you're saying, you know, I, I also, like in the first game, I kind of went ranch only. And while I did massively favour the drill in the sequel, you know, I was also getting out the Gatling gun and just really just kind of going into the, the options that you had. And I found that it was fun just to branch out and try new things, you know? Yeah, the guns, I think, feel better to fire. And even just things like your your character's movement or the camera, the way it's displayed, just feels a little bit more convincing. And um, it does all feel, as I say, for want of better adjectives, tighter and smoother. But, um, yeah, but for all that... <laughs> <laughs> it was it was still lacking things for me. The other aspect as well as you know, Rapture, returning to Rapture, I always hear people saying, well, it, it, it just wasn't as magical the second time round because I've seen this place. And, you know, took a little bit of Minerva's Den, but that's another little contained story within Minerva's Den that, that is you know, features in Rapture. And for that, you know, it's the computing aspect of uh, Rapture and how that works. Um, and I think, once again, Rapture is, is brilliant in this because... Before, when you were playing in Bioshock One, it was a city that had, you know, had fallen apart. Clearly, the splices had taken hold, but Andrew Ryan was still there. Like there was still almost the, the inner workings, mechanics of Rapture was was still there. There was a beating heart there. It was just all falling apart at that that particular time. You know, you come ten years down the line, and Andrew Ryan is clearly no longer there. And Sophia Lamb's in charge, and Rapture is just dying. Like it's another aspect of seeing the city just fall apart there's tunnels now which are completely flooded um there's just leaks absolutely everywhere um so there's some great lighting effects where you see all these you know waterfalls kind of running down uh, inside chambers and actually in in gameplay um it has gameplay uh, ramifications because two or three times there's some really fantastic set pieces where the entirety of big chambers of rapture explode while you're inside them but you know luckily you're in a big daddy suit so you're fine but it, it looks spectacular as you're now wandering outside of Rapture or just seeing a place that you've previously, you know, there's a couple of bits towards the end where they're more like hub areas where you've been through, you know, maybe 10, 15 times. And then suddenly seeing that completely flooded and having a, a, a you know, traversing through a completely, almost like a completely different environment as everything's floating around you. And uh, harvesting the slugs. Yeah, yes. the little DNA leeches. Which we knew about from the... From the first game.
Now, uh, on the forum, uh, discussion of Bioshock 2 exploded into an extremely uh, in-depth and intelligent uh, conversation between two or three of our forumites. Um, Obviously, we can't read all that out here. It would be it wouldn't work in the same way, but it's uh, as good as uh, an advert as any to come by the canerinceforum.com slash forum um, just to see the quality of our posters. Um, but I've just nabbed a few highlights from some of the uh, the people who were getting involved as regards to Bioshock 2. Um, and let's start with IMO. Uh, Bioshock 2 is not a better game than Bioshock, but it stands equal overall and my personal favourite. Bioshock has moments that will be remembered for years to come, but Bioshock 2 has a relationship that I will remember for at least as long. It has its problems. The morality system is still redundant due to the lack of actual consequence. The little sister defence mechanic is good but overused. The environment suffers because we know it, and there isn't enough Tenenbaum. The shooting is tightened and new weapons are enjoyable to use. Although the aesthetic remains unchanged, the small redesigns of the Little Sisters make them eerily sweet. It is, however, the story that carries the game. Too often in sequels, whether we are discussing films or games, etc., the formula is to go bigger, to take it from battle to war, from people to worlds. But the sequel's creators decided to go smaller and must be applauded for doing so. This may well have been a cash-in, but it's a cash-in clearly created by people with a love and respect for its foundations. Yeah, I'd say the morality system, actually really the only thing it plays into is the endings you either did or not. Um, there's a... All of which were quite awesome. Yeah, I think that, there's, it does the the whole Fallout thing where they do you know, little variations depending on, on who you save throughout the game because there is, I think there's four major choices of who you can save or kill in the game and then you know, whether you harvest or um, rescue the little sisters and that plays into different segments of endings you get. Mainly whether how many endings are there in total? Ten, but like wow. it's all the same technically, but just yeah, slightly different moods to each. Kind of similar to the first one, you get the same ending, you still get out, but different moods to each one. Yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah the and big... it's kind of like Dishonored and the choices that you perform through the game, whether you're harvesting or killing people or saving them. Um, it all has an effect on Eleanor Lamb's kind of vision of who you are mm-hmm. and the way that her character develops, like throughout the game. Um, if you're good, she's like basically an angel, and if you've been a bit of a bastard, she is twice the bastard you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Take over the world, and and the whole ending sequence before before the very end is terrifying. If you if she's uh, on the evil side, because she'll end up killing all the little sisters. So, um, Imo there mentions the redesign to the little sisters. That's actually one of the things I wasn't keen on. I didn't like the way they looked compared to the first game. And similarly, and I know this is something that a lot of people have said, and apologies if you've never noticed this before, but uh, Delta Big Daddy, as depicted on the cover of the game, does look like Bomberman. <laughs> and the combination of those two things kind of undermines the whole <laughs> the whole atmosphere of the piece. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. It's the... It's, it's the, it's the, the the poles on his eyes, uh, the bars in front of his visor, I should say. It was just little things like that, like that little sister redesign. I just thought it looked more, it it had an aesthetic that was just ever so slightly more kind of appeal, trying to appeal to the mainstream. And that, I'm not saying that that's a reason to dislike something in itself, but it indicated uh, a general philosophy that was moving slightly away from the, a lot of the things I liked about the first game. Cass is another of our 
prolific posters. Cass says, Bioshock 2 is interesting to me. It's one of those games that I'd only ever heard talked about in negative terms, specifically that it wasn't as good as Bioshock 1. And despite critically scoring 8s and 9s out of 10, anecdotally the advice seemed to be, don't bother. Nothing could be further from the truth. Bioshock 2 may not be a perfect game, and it may not break new ground, but it does its best with everything it tackles, and the result is something atmospheric and highly playable. The main draw for me came from being re-immersed, pun intended, into the world of Rapture, which I think is a lot of people's favourite game world, and for good reason. As for the story, it's fine. Lamb proves to be a much less entertaining antagonist the closer she gets to Adam, much like Fontaine before her. Lamb's collectivist uprising makes a stupid amount of sense, considering that Rapture is Andrew Ryan's shrine to the individual, and once that unravels, where to from there? The more Eleanor figures into the story, though, the less I really cared. Eleanor's fine and all, but you're never really given a reason to love her in the way that the game portrays their connection. I agree with that. Lots of the secondary characters suffer from the same shaky characterisation. The gameplay, on the other hand, is much improved. Much like Bioshock 1, you start the game feeling very weak, and end it feeling way overpowered. Some progression is necessary, I guess, but it makes the whole you're a big daddy thing a hard sell at first, especially until you get the drill charge. By the end, I felt massive and dangerous, and it all feels earned. My personal favourite of the new features to the combat wasn't any of the plasmid upgrades, but the new bot-centric powers you could get. I loved having my little bot bodyguards. The repairs you could make to them, the upgrades from the security plasmid, and the research, and the names! Naming them gave me all the emotional investment I was missing from the characters. <laughs> Screw Eleanor, I was more upset when anything happened to good old Jean-Paul, Eva, Tommy, or any number of the sadly disposable bots who helped me on my way. So yeah, this game isn't as good as Bioshock. It just feels lesser. Less huge, less sprawling, less ambitious, less inventive. But it's still a damn good ride, and Rapture is still an incredible place to get lost in. And hacking is fun. <laughs> yeah, I was going to I was going to ask you about that um because I'd never had a problem with the Bioshock 1 hacking, although there is perhaps too much of it if if you if you undertake too much. The, the, the problem with Bioshock 1's hacking is, is not that the pipe game isn't fun in itself, which it is, but after the 50th time, it takes too long. Although you can get, obviously, you know, improvements to, to speed that process up, but it, it always just felt a tad too long, and so you didn't really bother using it. Um, in, in the sequel, it's a bar that moves from left to the right of the screen, and there's a green section and there's a blue section. The blue sections give you better improvements, so pretty much an upgraded version of the green, and the red sections are bad, so you're just trying to make sure this bar and there's three or four times you'd have to do it depending on how difficult and the more difficult it is the faster the bar moves and it's just a lot more mm. simpler and if you get it wrong and you lose a lot of health or the bots come um but it was quick and easy to do or at least quick to do so you know i found myself in, in at least in Bioshock 2 hacking stuff all the time because it was a you know a five second process ra rather than a even if it ended up being a 20 you know, second process the pipe game that was too long to actually bother so and the upgrade yeah. systems, once again, you know, they were there in the first game. Once again, just improved for the second game. Yeah, and one yeah. of the things I loved about the the pipe rearranging game in the first one was that you could do it while you were jumping up to see a camera that you couldn't reach on the floor and you had enough time to yeah, right. sort it out from within before gravity yeah. reapplied itself and you came back down. Yes, uh, a <laughs> beautiful bit of gaming logic, but uh, welcome, I would suggest. And our final uh, forum correspondent... Uh, for this podcast is our Brazilian, I believe our only Brazilian member, Todinho, and he even has a fantastically Brazilian sounding nickname. Gameplay-wise, Bioshock 2 improves almost 
in every way from its predecessor. The splicers come with a little more variation and are harder to take down, along with the big daddies and big sisters, which can make for some pretty challenging fights. The new tonics and skills were also well implemented, with it coming one of my favourite skills in gaming, the Drill Dash. Isn't that a Street Fighter move? No. Pretty sure it's cammy, isn't it? If there's one thing I didn't like in the gameplay, it was the hacking system, which was much better in the previous game. Boo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, though, I do think that the original one was better. It's just that it took too long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the second one's a quick QD, but it's a lot more common in games. Comes to the atmosphere and story, it's where the game starts to have problems for me. The first game had a great sense of tension in the beginning, but this time around, all that is gone. The only time I was tense during the game was the first encounter with the big sister. I also found all of the regions visited in the game unremarkable in comparison to Bioshock. As for the story, it has its moments, but it never really manages to reach the level of the first one. While the idea to explore utilitarianism as a contrast to the first game was a very good one, it never really managed to grab me, and it's a bit ham-fisted at times. Delta's journey can be seen as the will of the individual surpassing Lamb's idea of a collective, but overall it never felt all that well put together. It doesn't help that Lamb is a very weak antagonist in comparison to Ryan, and the fact that they try to retcon her into Rapture's history as to make it seem that she was a big influence in the city and a threat like Fontaine just made me dislike the story even more. What saves Bioshock 2's narrative for me are the other characters and audio diaries. Finding out about Eleanor's childhood, hearing Mark journey through Rapture until his ultimate fate, and having Sinclair as a partner were all highlights for me that kept me invested when the main plot did not. Bioshock 2 may not be able to match its predecessor in terms of story and atmosphere, but it still stands as a good and memorable game despite all that. If anything, I never get tired of playing it, something I can't say about Bioshock 1. I'd just like to point out, uh, and maybe this is true of some of our other correspondents, but that's in Totino's second language. (laughs) So, puts everyone to shame. He's a Portuguese speaker. English is my Uh, second language as well. Well, that is true. That is true. So you actually come on a podcast trying to speak a foreign language. So Yeah, but he does a better than me, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Tadinho's uh, sentiments echo mine, uh, closest out of our three correspondents. I'm mean, talking about the, the environments. It's interesting that they, they went with more of a linear path than the first game. The first game, there was a lot more made of the kind of the hub world. You need to come back, back through and there's a lot of backtracking. Um, sometimes that felt a lot that you were just doing the same old fetch quest and going through the same old area, but it gave you a little bit of familiarity about the environments and you'd pick up stuff, you know, pick up on stuff, you know, the, the third or fourth time you'd wander through it. Where they, they integrate um, the Atlantic Express in this one, which is, you know, you complete an area, you pretty much rinse it all and then get on the Atlantic Express. It takes you to the next area. There's no backtracking whatsoever. And that's so, a fantastic name for a train. Yeah, and it's also and like I remember being disappointed the the first time I played Bioshock Two. I actually found it a bit more refreshing this time around because um, I found the the actual backtracking stuff in one to be a, a, a more annoying playing it through you know, uh, recently. Uh, so you know I, I didn't mind the more kind of di- directional um, narrative it had mm. there. But um, yeah, I, I I do understand what he's saying. Then I think a lot of that comes from. Um, seeing raptured before so not actually being you know looking at every nook and cranny that the, the environment mm-hmm. has because you kind of like oh yeah yeah there, there's the yeah, there's this and there's that so yeah i mean obviously part of the the quick develop relatively quick development turnaround was uh in due in part to the fact that 
many of the assets are basically the same. Obviously, they have, you know, there, there, there is a lot of new stuff there, but things like the design of the doors and stuff was already done, you know, um, and the archways and the tunnels and all that. And uh, and and it's amazing. Yeah, like in the first game, it was just so different to anything that was on the market. And you just can't have the same kind of visual punch pulling the same track, no matter how well it's designed. No, exactly. Uh, going back to that comment, how do you, how do you guys feel about his point where he says um, that, that Lamb is retconned into the story of rapture because for for me like it doesn't bother me like it's it's it i don't see how it, it would have if she was in the first game how it would have added anything to the main yeah. story and it's such a huge city that there's plenty of stories that could be told throughout that whole region so i i can agree with that it's just um it doesn't bother me as such but it's like the way that she's portrayed in the sequel is like it's though her and Andrew Ryan are at each other's throats quite a lot mm-hmm. in the time, you know? Mm-hmm. There's audio diaries where uh, Andrew Ryan seems to be... He seems to feel that the power's shifting towards her and that he's getting uh, unearthed from his podium. And it just... During the first game, there's no feeling of that. You know, it's... Not that just that it's uh, Sophia Lam herself. Like, he just seems to be completely sure, uh, sure of his own power. And like in the second game... It feels almost different, looking back on it. Yeah, so what it's it's more than just introducing a, a minor bit player character to a, to a large world, which is completely, you know, no problem at all, understandable. But where you're actually perhaps fundamentally changing events, or at least altering. Yeah, it's it's just it's 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 too big, like a jump to not impact the first game, you know. Well, I, I don't know. I, I see. I think that the, obviously the Frank Fontaine stuff in, in the first game is is his major drive. And I, actually, I mean, once again, I will repeat: you, if anybody loves the series, they should really go and read Rapture, the novelization. Well, yeah, the pre preemptive novelization before Bioshock One. Um, it, I mean, even in there, Sophia Lamb's more of a side character. She's more of a, a nuisance to um, Andrew Ryan than you know Frank Fontaine's. Actually, a, he feels like he's a, a proper threat to Rapture itself, where I think he's just more annoyed about, you know, the religious aspects being bled into uh, Rapture under Sophia Lamb and, you know, he, as he brought her into to kind of, like, um, subdue a lot of these feelings. Um, so even in that, I mean, yes, you, you know, that was written after Barshot too, so, you know, they could have taken notes from that. But I'm with Sean, like, I, I, I see Rapture as this huge city and lots of story hap- lots of stories happening and I really feel like as, as a franchise... They could make a Bioshock three and a, and a Bioshock four, even set in Rapture, because I think you know the the whole idea of that city was interesting characters that didn't quite fit within you know the you know, the, the populace above, um, and all those stories could be interesting. And once again, one, you know, Minerva's Den, it's it's another area of the city. Now, yes, Sophia Lamb, it's it's a fairly big story that they drive a huge narrative with the sequel with, and yes, it's kind of weird that she's not in the first game. But honestly, it it didn't bother me whatsoever. And playing them back to back, it's just like, okay, well, yeah, she's yeah. she's there, and it's ten years on that. The thing know. is, I mean, it's kind of like that for me as well. It didn't bother me while I was playing through it, but when someone asks me to think about it, I'm like, hmm, it just seems a little bit strange. It would have been nice. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Ken Levine was of course clearly not making a a sequel in his mind. <laughs> they were having the right back end, but the th- the thing is, like, even though they were trying to give us some kind of history so that she, uh, her rise wouldn't be that strange. Like she's already like in a position of power during Bioshock One. Um, they could easily have just had all that happen after the events of Bioshock One, given the, yeah. the time difference, and then there would have been no conflict of interests or uh, things that mm. just look slightly out of place. 
we have had a request, uh, at least one request, uh, now that it's available on goodoldgames.com to do a System Shock 2 show. Uh, System Shock 1's a little harder to track down and run, I believe, but System Shock 2 is considered the at least you know one of the best ones of the of the lineage so that could happen mm. at some point in the future um and we'll have a little a very a very brief uh, look forward to Bioshock Infinite a little bit later on but right now let's talk about that uh, multiplayer component uh, that I sampled properly for the first time just over a week ago I think and uh Tony you sunk a lot of time into yeah well, we we talked a little bit about the multiplayer aspects and surprising because this doesn't happen for a lot of games that seemingly have a multiplayer attached on to, to make the project more interesting or more uh, sellable to the, to the consumer base it's actually really good it's um it's it, they even even give you a little prologue about how how the multi where, or how the multiplayer comes about so it's set in the downfall of the uh, of downfall of rapture when everybody's at each other's throats and the splices are at their, their full height and um, you know, everybody's going for each other, so you know they give you a little bit of back history, and all the maps themselves are from Bioshock One, um, you know, redesigned to a certain degree. But uh, you know, it, mm. it gives you a little flavour of what Bioshock One was like in, inside Bioshock Two, um, and it was heavily played. Surprisingly, I I did this. I I jumped into multiplayer yesterday and just had a quick look at my friends list. Um, so out of the hundred people on my friends list, sixty-two people played Bioshock Two. Multiplayer, at least at least like one game, yeah, you know? um, yeah. and got registered on, onto the scoreboard. Now, you know, you yeah. could argue, okay, well, big game, you know, they clicked it and just looked, but actually, it, the, the numbers are, are really interesting. Twenty twenty people, uh, twenty people on my friends list played the game, uh, played the multiplayer for over twenty hours. Uh, a further mm. ten played it for more than ten hours, and then you know, a further ten played it for more than five hours. And the rest all obviously mm. dabbled in for a couple of hours. Now, that's not something where you just turn on. And come back out. That you know, there's some real enjoyment to be had there, and the proof is mm. within the pudding there, within the statistics. A lot of people spent a lot of time playing Bioshock 2's multiplayer, so it can sometimes work. We dived on the PS3 version, and uh, some of the modes were a little quiet now, but obviously it's probably been boosted again slightly by the the giveaway on PS Plus. Um, but generally, we didn't struggle to get a game. There were opponents there, lots of level 50s or whatever, uh, still knocking around, as as there tend to be at this stage in the game's <laughs> life. People who can't and won't let Prestige. go. But um, yeah, but actually, uh, we um, we played some free for all, which is um, survival of the fist, um, which is fine. Um, but I actually had a lot more fun playing the capture the flag style mode, which is uh, defend and grab the little sister, which also makes you know narrative mm-hmm. sense um, based on what we know of of the of the story. Um, and we had really good fun playing teammates on that, uh, playing as as a co op squad. It was very it was almost battlefield esque mm-hmm. in the way we were coordinating. And after getting our asses kicked for you know for a good hour or so. Um, there were some uh, technical hitches, as ever. Don't know, you know, possibly routers, possibly the infrastructure. Um, but once we got going, the last couple of games of that were excellent, and I and I totally understood the appeal. Yeah, I mean, as as most multiplayer first-person shooters go, you have a gun, and that's it. In Bioshock 2, you have the the plasmas to go right along with it, and you can use both at the same time. And I think that mm-hmm. that appealed to a lot of people who are just kind of so sick of just shooting your right it's kind AK. of kind of like the halo grenade throw and then go in and, and fire guns mm-hmm. you know, yeah it's just that added mm-hmm. extra of you know try to take down a, almost their shield or try to at least take down a, a proportion of their health before you actually get in with cl- up and close with guns right yeah. 
I really like the hub area, which is kind of, you know, like a room, basically, yeah, that you can actually walk around in first person and, and interact with things. That's cool. I really like the uh, photographing your slain foes element. Mm. That's yeah, brilliant. bonus for deaths, yeah. And I really like the spy versus spy. That's one for the older kids out there. Um, style <laughs> booby trapping of uh, a vending machine. I'm assuming there's no uh, pillar water above the door in this one. <laughs> There should be if uh, if if you electrified somebody and then put a <laughs> bucket of water over them. Uh, but yes, you can do you know you can do that good stuff um, like you can in the single player. So if if an opponent is if you do catch them running through a, a wet area, you can then use your electric mm-hmm. plasmid should you have it as part of your loadout to electrocute an entire floor and stuff like that. And yeah, I think I, I totally understand why why you put so much yeah, time. Yeah, I, I mean, I, um, I looked. I think I was close to thirty hours into. The multiplayer. I mean, that's which is quite a lot. I know that's no. This people are still playing Battlefield. That's that's probably small fry. But you know, for a game which was you know a multiplayer attack, yeah. you know, actually that's a reasonable amount of time. And had a very hostile player base to its inclusion. Uh, did you play much at all, Darren? Not, Not all. a great deal. Um, I think I might have jumped in once or twice, but like the, that's the thing. I mean, if yeah. you're playing with friends, it's always a better experience. Of course. And uh, generally, yeah. I just jumped in myself, kind of fucked about for a short while. And then kind of just left the game and played something else. It, yeah. it suffers a little bit from um, the Call of Duty esque. Well, you know, a lot of people have got better guns than you, and uh, yeah, they, well, you, yeah. you do unlock stuff pretty fast. But there is some late, late, later game stuff in there which are pretty powerful. Some of the plasmas are really powerful, and just you know, even upgrading um, your hacking stuff or taking photographs. You know, they can take you know, when you're not leveled up they can take anything up to them maybe 10 seconds but once you've leveled up you can hack a turret or hack a vending machine in one second so you just walk past it hold an axe and job done and move on so. and gosh darn it there just wasn't any dlc that would unlock all that shit for an extortionate place there was a load of dlc though wasn't there uh several map packs and a, a, a melee only golf clubs mm-hmm. mode i believe <laughs> it was yes <laughs> yeah yeah it was called kill him kindly kill him kindly yeah uh, two map packs, was it? Uh, uh, Sin- or Sinclair Solutions and Retro Metro? Rapture, Retro? Yes. Rapture no, Metro. I both. I both. Uh, one yeah. of those uh, featured uh, the, because people, com- the people were complaining when they hit level 50, there was nothing to do, so they, they added the, uh, yeah. you know, the prestige mode in one of those map packs. So. But yes, um, if you have Bioshock 2 still sitting around, um, worth people still getting together it. with a group of yeah. friends and checking it out. Yeah, um, There's like six or seven modes to try out some of them may be quieter than others as we say but yeah now uh very briefly um because none of us are super um confident of uh, of talking we about to do it, it justice, um we... yeah we fortunately some of our friends have already done this so um we'll give you the the link in a minute but um minerva's den DLC, story DLC, and a sort of self-contained episode and a lot of people really love this Yes. I thought it was fine. <laughs> it's like, I just didn't, again, I, I felt kind of the same way about it as a game, but it, at least it was shorter, you know? A glowing appraisal of a hard one. But, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, that sounds, that's, it was enjoyable. It was that's fine. That's a good harsh one. The thing is, I mean, I really enjoyed my novels then, but like the way that I had, it had been described to me before I played it was that it was the end all and be all of Bioshock, and I never got that feeling from it. Yeah. I, I, yeah I, I, again, I, I really liked it a lot, but it just wasn't. It didn't hit me as much as Bioshock 2 did, but I do appreciate that it's an. It's kind of. 
if it was if you were going to get a DLC, it's what you want exactly a DLC mm-hmm. content to be. It's a it's a totally new area, gives you new weapons, gives you new plasmids, a whole new story, and it's it's a decent length too. So for the I think it's only like fifteen bucks over here, or maybe it's even ten now at this Six point. Six hours, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's definitely a lot better value than a lot of the shit that was rolling about as DLC when it was released, you know. Yeah. So it's about the the the, the main well, the computing side of how um, how Rapture is run. Yeah, it's a Rapture's Ermac. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got lots of little references to to um. Yeah. This is this is the thing. I, I'm I'm not deep into my history of how um you know computing came about. Um, other friends of ours, such as uh, Gary Zantiered, um, you know, it, it, he found it fascinating because lots of the aspects in there really tie back to, to a lot of how um, it all began. Uh, to me, I mean, it, I, strangely, it's probably the most accessible Bioshock out there um, because it's six hours long. Uh, it has the improved gameplay of, uh, at least the improved gameplay of Bioshock 2, and they give you a lot of the, the more advanced stuff of Bioshock 2 instantaneously. Yeah. So you, you don't have to work up for, for six hours you know, five or six hours to, to get yeah, all the It's a great stuff. model uh, for D- to, to base DLC on, the idea that it's kind of like a microcosmic experience. Um, you get the whole thing. It reminded me of the, the famous original demo for Crackdown on 360, mm-hmm. where you had a, a an accelerated experience curve, basically. But it, it, it seems if Minerva's Den clicks, then it's the one that you pick over everything else. Um mm. You know, from, mm. <laughs> it, it's weird because you know, to me, it was just a really you know fun, enjoyable extension of Bioshock Two, but um, a lot of people feel like it, you know the the entirety of the reasons why Bioshock Two should exist is because Minerva's Den came from it, and I just don't, I just don't see that. But um, well, it, it also tells a different kind of story than Bioshock One and Two. Like, like we were saying, Bioshock One is very political, Bioshock Two is very paternal, and this one is way more. It's just a love story between your character and the and his his wife who had passed away so i can see why mm-hmm. people might find that just more just appreciate that more as well it's more relatable to most of the audience who would probably be playing this game yeah again maybe i i, I feel like i didn't pay enough attention cool to cool beast leon <laughs> <laughs> i'm so not though but maybe maybe i just uh, i might be a bit lazy in terms of I, I like my emotional hits to be kind of fed to me rather than have to work for them I think that's probably a, a personal flaw, or at least a, a, a flaw. Why, you know, in that some some games that should do more for me don't because they do make you kind of dig a bit deeper for that. That's yeah, stuff. like all the cardboard um, should have little cardboard cutouts uh, with like the words "love me" on them. <laughs> oh, chief bad guy. <laughs> It's weird because I'm not like that at all with um, films. You know, I'm 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 ex- extremely into very sort of what appear to be quite oblique and austere and cold films, and and I actually get a lot out of sort of finding the emotion in sort of uh, you know shut down characters mm-hmm. with inexpressive in faces and stuff. But in gaming, I'm kind of maybe you know maybe just because it still hasn't got to the point where I think it does the subtle stuff generally as well um, that I'm just more used to, you know, because I go back to the ancient days of gaming that I'm I'm still not just in the habit. Yet Bioshock 1 was the, the one that clicked with you the most. Well, yes, and, you know, and, and there are other things, you know, there are other games, there are other examples that mean that's not true, but... It's just so hard, isn't it? When it's when it just comes down to a subjective response to something, you know, like I had a huge one from Flower. A lot of people it left them completely cold. It's just a particular combination of 
look and feel and sound and intent and the person you know the, the way you're feeling at the time that I think you know maybe if I'd played Bioshock to a different year you know may, and, and Minerva's Den maybe yeah. I would have been you know more focused on on those elements I don't know it's, it's I impossible I will go to back to now. Minerva's Den uh, not too distant future after now playing one and two and with influence written in forthcoming release I think I'll probably owe it to that to go back there and maybe I just missed a little bit of that space through the, you know, the first time through. Mm. Yeah. So rather than us do it a massive disservice, uh, obviously, you know, we all say it's oh, definitely worth playing. Um, we would very much like to point you towards uh, the Game Burst replay podcast um, dated June the 1st, 2012. Um, just uh, Google Game Burst Minerva's Den and, and you'll go straight there. And they did, uh, it's like a half an hour or so podcast just about that piece of DLC. So... There you go. Plug for friends. Um, so before our own summaries, let's hear some of today's Twitter three-word reviews. And let's go around as we normally do, starting with Mr. Foreman. Amo says, Daddy's home, Eleanor. Ryan Astley says, Rapturous B-sides. Matthias720 says, Who's your daddy? Tom Platt, almost not quite. Registratus says, Refinement, not reinvention. Jerome McKee just says, really enjoyed it. Mark Katansky says, okay, but hollow. You are hollow, Mark Katansky. Yeah. You are. Get out of here, Mark Katansky. Leg of Time, fantastic Minerva's Den. Vegas 12 says, DLC, forward slashy thing, game. <laughs> <laughs> Greater than game yeah. in symbolic form. The only thing is, that's actually like two words. But I'll let you off with it. Yeah, we, 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 it's creative. It's like it's it's symbol. Well, I, I think it's probably uh, given too much service to say it's symbolic. But uh, yeah, it's using a symbol. <laughs> so, uh, angry cadaver is obviously referring back to his uh, his misplaced three word review for the Bioshock <laughs> uh, podcast. He says worst Irish accent. You should hear mine. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Shepperton uh, says, "Would you kindly?" All right then. Uh, our own personal summarization of Bioshock 2, Sean. Uh, well, I, I think, contrary to what most people say, that Bioshock 2 is a better game in, in almost every way than Bioshock 1 was. I think it looks better. I think it plays better. You get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it only slightly looks better, though. It's the same, but plays better. Uh, I think, I, for me, the story was better. The characters are better. Uh, the only you're thing, breaking Ken Levine's heart. Uh, I know. I, I love Ken Levine. He's the best. But um, Ken, you're breaking Leon's heart. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you can't play Bioshock Infinite. <laughs> <No>. um, <laughs> but uh, but the only thing it has riding against it is that it just didn't come first, and there is that weird sensation that you've you've been here already. Um, but I do. I, I urge people to who, if they played it once and, and just kind of felt like eh, it was okay but go back again and maybe take a little more time if you have the time to do that um and just look for the little nooks and crannies that you might have missed the first time and uh i think you'll find it it's a great game yeah i think that's probably wise advice and if i did have the time i mean i have been back to some of bioshock 2 and um the you know the first hour or so that I played again didn't grab me any more than it did the first time but maybe again maybe you know I'm not playing it in the right way maybe I'm not 
I'm doing it wrong. I should be listening to the audio diaries more and 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 paying attention to what's going on and stuff. I think there is a tendency um away from, you know, my own inability to find subtle emotions in video games um because we are just constantly um bombarded, you know, those of us with who are lucky enough to have games bombarded at us who can afford to buy them or whatever. Um I think there is a tendency to rush things and and that probably is too to the detriment of some of the experiences we could be having um but overall you know I, I i can only be honest about my experience of bioshock 2 up to this point i certainly didn't feel like um yes it was cass who said that he, his perception was you know that despite the eights and nines for for bioshock the sort of 88 percent meta score or whatever um that the the general consensus was don't bother i never got that feeling i, I always got the kind of feeling from other people apart from those who really sing the praises of the game like tony and uh, gary blow and people like that that it was it was a good game it was a perfectly fine uh functional sequel that tightened up some of the gameplay aspects but perhaps didn't have as much going on um and didn't have as much kind of impact as the first game and that is exactly how i felt playing it um it's like this is perhaps a bit harsh but it does remind me of uh, another ocean bound story and that is jaws 2 the sequel to the original jaws in that um it ticks all the boxes it's set in the same place uh, it's perfectly well put together but it's got far less atmosphere the characters are less interesting the writing's less good and it's got less flourishes um you know perfectly enjoyable to spend a bit of time with but in no way the classic of the original for me Darren? Yeah, for me, I'm not sure if it's because I went in with just a completely open mind and no expectations, despite the fact that the original game was really so great. But I came away from Bioshock 2 and I just, I loved my time with it. It was just a really good game. That, like, it wasn't like I was expecting the world from it. So, like, anything that didn't uh, quite live up to expectations didn't bring it down. And a lot of the gameplay was better. A lot of the story beats resonated more with me. Even the atmosphere. Um, you don't get quite that sense uh, like the community are rapture at the time just fall into shit. But um, I think that even just even though you're kind of being force-fed emotions to a, a stronger degree, you know? Like, uh, this is Eleanor Lamb, you're meant to feel protective of her. I think that a lot of those beats worked. And yeah, I just had a really good time with it, you know? And like, there were moments like when Eleanor Lamb goes on a rampage where I was like, Holy shit, this is actually really, really well done. The, actions, the action scenes seem to be a bit better. Um, and although it's not a series that's ever really been... It's never relied on that. It's always relied on atmosphere and dialogue and the characters. But I felt that it kind of did... It added slight elements that weren't there before, even though some of the, the established strengths of the series might have been lacking a little bit compared to the pre uh, predecessor. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. How dare you. No, thank you. Um... <laughs> How dare you enjoy it? And finally, Tony. It's it's difficult for me because both Bioshock One and Two are in my top ten games of all time. So, you know, it, would I recommend Bioshock Two? Yes. Would I recommend Bioshock One? Yeah. Like, I, to me, they're they're a, a game set in Rapture, but two different stories to be told. And you know, I can't really separate. Um, you know, I I I love Bioshock One, and I think its story is more clever, and I think it's more subtle. Um, but our Brazilian correspondent said, "I, I just, I, I, I find um, playing Bioshock Two that much more enjoyable. Um, I, I like 
I, I, I like all the improvements. Um, you know, be it, you know, the gameplay is just that much more fun to, to experience. So, you know, if I'm going to sit down and play a Bioshock game, I'd rather play two because that would be instantaneous um, enjoyment rather than having to go, you know, pretty much, let's face it, go halfway through Bioshock 1 um, and enjoy the twist um, because after that it starts to go downhill. Um, you know, is it a better game? Or is it a more creative game? Probably not. Like the auteur's vision of, of the first game, I think, says a lot and is probably stronger. But, you know, whether it be through the, my enjoyment of, of the multiplayer, whether it be through my enjoyment, I, I do like the story of, of 2. Um, and, you know, just in, it's a more fun and well-rounded game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, it's in my top 10 games of all time. So I, I absolutely love it. Yeah, and just as I'm a little addendum to my thing, I think it's a lot better than a lot of people would have expected, you know? Like, a lot of people got the feeling that it was going to be just a, a quick cash grab, like, because it was mm. announced. Um, basically, off the back of the success of the first game, which is why you would want to make a sequel, but just all those negative feelings, they kind of built up and built up, and the game, the, everyone just expected the game to be crap, and it just really wasn't, and it had such a strong ending. And I, I think it's it's... It's hard to escape that, and I, I still don't think it's escaped that. Um, you know, you actually talk about this on Twitter. You know, we're talking about you know, doing this show, and a lot of people are like, "Oh yeah, yeah, Bioshock 2. I, I never finished that. Like they, they kind of went in there with negative connotations, and they, I don't think they ever really got over that. Um, and you know, Sean said, I, you know, it, there's a, there's a touch of sequelitis about it. Um, you know, I, I'm not saying that people didn't give it a chance. But I, I think there was enough people that loved the first game that just didn't believe that it needed a sequel, and then took those emotions into playing Bioshock 2 and actually missed some of the finer points that I had to uh, what it had to say. I think if you maybe go back to the game now and actually dig deeper into that, uh, outside of, you know, there's been a good two or three years away from all that um, hype and hullabar, then just, you know, you may actually you know, see a, a, the depth there that maybe you didn't see through before because you were just enjoying the gameplay style of stuff. That was a really that was a really subtle dig at Leon, by the way, too. Not, not really. I... <laughs> <laughs> No, I was just thinking, though, sometimes we say that uh, going in with low expectations can really help mm -hmm. something because, you know, we're not expecting much. So if it's any good at all, it turns, we all think it's amazing. You see, I could, uh, could counter-argue that by saying the reason that you think it's amazing was because you went in with low expectations, whereas I played it after some people had said how excellent it was, and therefore I was disappointed when it falls short of And Bioshock. without doubt, um, you know, I think my vocal love of this, of Bioshock 2, I've, I've always been very vocal about, you know, I think Bioshock 2 has been fantastic, is because a lot of that, the, the negative conversations out there about Bioshock 2, you know, would I have been, you know, on the precipice going, yeah, you should play, you should play? No, not normally, because, you know, there would be a, a number of people backing up my argument. What kind of seemed to have happened with Bioshock 2 is the people that enjoyed it kind of like sneaked off in the background and, and didn't really want their opinions to be heard because the, the problem is Bioshock 1 is a fantastic game. It's, it's one of the best games ever made um, and not many people would actually disagree with that same, uh, sentiment. So when it comes to the sequel of Bioshock 2, I, I think you know it takes a, a slightly braver soul to go up there and say, actually... I one think it's a better game than Bioshock One. Oh, you're calling yourself no, brave. Not really. I mean, like Sean. I mean, Sean's out there. The, the one I think that's really gone off the edge and said, you know, better yeah, in every yeah, single yeah. way. But uh, you know, yeah, you idiot, you're going to get flamed. Yeah, I'm just towing the party line here. No, we we only any everyone on Kane and Rinse uh, only ever gives their their honest reaction to a game, and we try to be as uninfluenced by outside forces as possible, don't we? 
you know, my reaction is, as I say, I'm gutted that I feel as underwhelmed as I do about Bioshock 2, even though I think it's a good game, because I wanted to love it as much as I, want, I love Bioshock 2. The thing 1. is, it has really big boots to fill, you know? Yeah. yeah. And and speaking of expectations, like the reason I, the first time I played Bioshock 1 and walked away from it going like, that was alright, is just because I played it amongst all the hype that this is the greatest game ever, and mm. you're going to find the cure for cancer mm. if you play this game. That'll kill... That will kill right. so many experiences. Exactly, for you. and so I played it, yeah. and I still liked it, but I didn't, I, I didn't see it. And then years yeah. later, I kind of went in with a little fresher point of view, and now I totally understand. Like that game's fucking amazing, but right. um, but just it, it, expectations can really play a huge role in how you walk mm. away from a game. So, well, and that, from anything, and, yeah. And talking about that, so I mean, Bioshock Infinite, you know, releases within days now. Yeah, uh, and hopefully expectations most, most, for that uh, is it's just it's off the chart. I mean, I've, a few games have, have been talked about in in the kind of you know degree that Bioshock Infinite has been before its launch because it's been delayed so many times as well. That the hype machine around that is just huge. Yeah, I'm uh, obviously we're all you know sitting here. I assume I, I've got it pre-ordered on Steam, Tony. I know you've got a physical copy on the in the way on the way. Um, Darren and Sean, have you got? Infinite coming on launch day or soon. I'm after. kind of busy right now, so I've kind of got it on my love film list. Yeah, and I'm, I'm okay. about to go probably trading God of War towards it. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, see, I yeah no no we I think we we said before on a, on another show um like James and I were certainly saying that we were happy every time we heard Infinite was delayed because we felt that it meant that it would be more likely to be as good as it as we want it to be, you know, and it wouldn't have a rushed final third like, like Bioshock does. But I have to say right now, obviously I'm excited for it. I'm, I've got it pre pre-ordered. I'll be reviewing it from my work and, uh, I'm really excited, but also I kind of, maybe it's just, you know, self-preservation or whatever, but I expect it to disappoint in some way. I expect it to not be as good as I want it to be as good as, a sequel to Bioshock ought to be. The marketing isn't really helping yet. Yeah, the main character's called Booger DeWitt, so I'm quite there looking at that. That's a manly name. I, the, the way I've combated that as well is that I knew I'd want to play this game. See, you can't help but miss some advertising. So, you know, there's the screenshots, and there was the first gameplay video from a long time ago, and it was the first look, and like it's very hard not to see what that was going to be. Um, certainly because it was a, you know, a, a sequel in reg- some regards, to at least in namesake. Um, to a this successor yeah, to a, a franchise, which you know, like I say, is in my top ten games of all time. So you know, but like you, Leon, I, I don't know. I've protected myself by not looking at a lot of the advertising and not watching yeah, the videos same. and stuff. So I'm going in pretty, pretty fresh on it. Um, but yeah, hype does weird things. Um, I mean, I just hope it's it's fantastic. It's a strange one for me because I'm I'm not exactly hyped about it. Like I tend to get hyped about action games more than anything else. But mm. from what I've seen of it, I am really looking forward to this game. You know, it's obviously what they've shown off at press events and all the rest of it has been tightly controlled. But they're, yeah, they're attempting things that has I've never seen done in a game before. Not in a first person one at any rate. And just the environment, the characters and the the flow of it just looks really interesting. So if this game turns out to be shit, I will be very disappointed. And surprised. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. I, I expect it to be very, very good. Um, but I, I just, I think for me and the original Bioshock, I'm just not leave sure. That 
it's very hard. It's very hard. Um, and also, I I do have a particular thing about uh, always have you know going to the aesthetic of Bioshock. Um, I remember watching uh, Jean Pierre Jeunet's films, uh, City of Lost Children, and that's got a very very similar sort of. Uh, yeah, and there's something about that particular sort of um, that stuff and that water and the and the and the the lighting and the colours and stuff that that talks to a certain part of my brain and 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 the the Skyo shock thing as was the phrase that was coined by I uh, can't remember who um, me gone on. <laughs> no uh, I got a sky on another podcast <laughs> yeah um, and and. Um, I d- it just doesn't quite appeal as much, but I'm I'm hopeful that um, it will be the choreography and the writing. And when I say the choreography, I mean things like the 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 timing of the action to the music that was so perfect in Bioshock that was never as good in Bioshock Two. Um, like the you know the using of the of the the songs from the era on the loading screens just didn't have the just didn't work in the same way as as using them in just perfect moments in in the first game and i think it will be all that stuff and certain events and things that happen in the corner of your eye and stuff in bioshock infinite that will probably serve to highlight why bioshock 2 isn't in the same class as bioshock (laughs) (laughs) i'm going to give you some advice as a friend here okay so that you will love bioshock infinite play aliens colonial marines (laughs) i've already done that (laughs) <laughs> clean your palate. Yeah, I could. I could. Yeah, yeah, it's that is true. No, there is something. Giving your palate really disgusting <laughs> gunk that you've got to scrape off yeah. with something better. Drinking a cup or of. Or the Walking sick. Dead game. That's apparently garbage, too, so go for that one. Yeah, I might actually have to play uh, that one. That would um, be first person shooter as opposed to the Telltale games, I'd assume. Yeah. Survival Instinct. Um, yeah, there is something to be said for occasionally um, either renting or being forced to play a sub part game because it does remind you of you know how oh, yeah. good good well, games I do are. that all same, the time. same with, same with like films Rogue Warrior is yeah. a good uh, good old standby for me to go back to and just uh, see make it work yeah fantastic so role good so but, awful at the same time let's put it this way you know for, if, for the people that didn't really feel like Bioshock 2 should have existed it manages to continue a franchise all the way into Bioshock Infinite which is clearly a name that they went you know 2k want to stick with I mean a lot, I mean, I, I haven't played the game yet, but you do wonder where, why they kept with the Bioshock name for something that, you know... Yeah. I've got to admit, speaking about names, I thought that the uh, Sea of Dreams subtitle was kind of cool, although mm-hmm. apparently it was actually just for the reveal trailer. Like, the mm-hmm. reveal trailer was named Sea of Dreams. Okay. It is set in the same fictional version of history, though. For so sure. there is a connection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as far as we know. So that's our Bioshock shows for now. As I say, we may do a System Shock 2 show in the future, and we may well do a Bioshock Infinite show, possibly even later in the year, depending. Um, But other shows we have got lined up, if you want to play along with us, include next week the Animal Crossing series. You don't have to have played all of the games in that series to join in. We haven't. Grand Theft Auto 4 and the episodes from Liberty City. Dark Souls, Metro 2033, and XCOM Enemy Unknown. Uh, and it's high time Tony and I, and possibly some of the rest of the crew, got together and came up with some more podcasts for the future. Aliens. <laughs> Aliens, Colonial <laughs> Marines is genuinely extremely likely. Mm. The full and upcoming schedule can be found on the blog at com. There you can take a look at the Quits, Wins, vi- quick Rinse every, <laughs> every time. Every time. Quince, quince Rinse. Quince videos <laughs> on the blog or on the Canaan Rinse YouTube channel. 
Find us on Twitter at Kane and Rinse and Facebook.com forward slash Kane and Rinse. Uh, we love receiving your reviews on iTunes when they're nice. Uh, feel free to add one if you haven't already, or even just rate us. And definitely subscribe to the podcast so our download figures are bolstered nicely. Uh, check out the Kane and Rinse periodical. I think there are four of the uh, iBooks available to download with a fifth one on the way. And best of all, join us at the community, com slash forum. Oh, and uh, why not? Why don't I mention the Minecraft server as well? There's a big link to that on the homepage now. Um, we have a fantastic uh, Minecraft Cane and Rinse world full of fantastic things. I had a little look myself the other day. I finally got Minecraft off the PC, and I was staggered and astonished by the work that's gone into the stuff there. So uh, you can visit, I believe, any time, um, but you'll need to get whitelisted by becoming a friend of the community um, to actually change stuff i think that's how it works anyway why why do i feel like if darren got in there it would just be this inflame inferno pit of death (laughs) yeah just massive penises (laughs) not so much penises let's play it out you know but uh uh basically everything that was uh good and holy and pure about the current one would just be dragged (laughs) screaming into hell that's the darren promise Do you have a Minecraft account? I sure do. I've got the game. There you go. My thanks for this issue to Tony, Darren and Sean. I've been Leon Cox. And we'll leave you with some of Gary Scheiman's wonderful music. I'd like to be under the sea In an octopus's garden in Rapture We'll leave you with some of Darren Form's delightful Beatles covers. <laughs> Goodbye.